welcome back to Bad Movie Sunday. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. We're a podcast that watches bad movies so you don't have to. We roast them. We toast them. And we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, today's episode is a strange one, to be sure. Yeah, it's, um, well, <laughs> it's, it's a movie probably none of our audience has ever heard of or watched it's called and you'll know if you read the title it's called to catch a yeti um we thought we'd bring this on for our fun season because it has all of the elements of a fun movie it has just disastrous puppetry it has meatloaf in a starring role it has a lot of things and as we've said on previous episodes or i guess the previous episode this season. This is our third season doing this podcast, season three, and our theme is just have a lot of fun. And, you know, we want to go into 2021 having a lot of fun. And we thought this was, uh, the movie to, uh, to do it, to follow up Sharknado 2. Yeah, here's the, <laughs> so we started off this year, right, with Sharknado 2, a very, uh, well-known movie franchise um i wish we did have a lot of fun with to be fair so we were like maybe next episode we'll do an un an unknown uh movie and <laughs> i don't think either of us knew anything going into this movie um amy literally just showed me uh the poster and we were both like that's it we're doing that one <laughs> Yeah, and um, if you guys haven't heard of the classic To Catch a Yeti, I do have a summary here from IMDb that's going to tell you exactly what it's about. Um, so the summary says, while trying to escape hunters, Hank the Yeti finds himself befriending an American family in a big city. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Also, I, we, we gotta mention, Amy, you said a, a, about a minute ago that this movie is starring, um, Meatloaf? Now, if you're like <laughs> me, I feel like there's two types of people in the world, right? Um, there's people like Amy, who probably know who Meatloaf is. And there's people like me, <laughs> who, <laughs> I mean, did not know who this man was going into this movie and then searched up the IMDb afterwards and saw that the man's name in the in the lead role is me, Loaf. It is not, in fact, a sentient piece of mushy meat um, in this main role. Yep, yep. Um... Some people might know Meatloaf more famously from his uh, music career. He's, he's, uh. He's, I'm, he's, what? Uh, back up. <laughs> what? His music career? Oh, yeah. He's a rock star. He had, I think recently, he, or maybe just recently, it came out where we are, but he has like a Broadway show. Um, with his music in it, it's, I think it's called Bat Out of Hell, but, um, what? he is like a rock star. He is an actor. He was in such movies as Fight Club, as, um, the guy who, spoiler, dies, um, I think one of a few. 
And he was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show as also a guy who dies. Spoilers for that, too. Um, he's in a lot of movies as a, a guy who dies who's kind of also like a, a rock star type. Damn, he's given uh, Sean Bean a run for his money there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's in To Catch a Yeti. Of course, famous, well, well no one's ever heard of him. <laughs> now, I mentioned before that all we really had to see to know that we were going to do um, this movie this season was the poster. And we'll be posting a picture of the poster on our Twitter after we release this episode. But um, if you are listening to this and you're like, yeah, okay, how bad can this be? The, <laughs> the poster shows a picture of our titular Yeti. And <laughs> okay, here's what I have to say <laughs> about this Yeti. I um. Now, this may sound a little off topic, but I swear it will come full circle. <laughs> I am a, some would call, very big Star Wars fan. Um, and I have heard in my time as a Star Wars fan many a complaint about the prequel trilogies and their treatment of excess, just, just over the top excessive CGI in like every scene, which is understandable criticism. Um, and I know like a lot of people were like, oh, the CGI looks so literally like five years later, it was already out of date CGI. So for the sequel movies, there was a lot of practical effects going into that. That's sort of like where people are at now. They're like, CGI can go out of date. It's better to just use puppetry and practical effects, which will end up looking more realistic. Now that worked for the sequel trilogy. You've seen The Mandalorian. I think, though, that sometimes practical effects can create just the most horrifying <laughs> results. <laughs> um, so the Yeti in this movie is like a puppet or a doll or the practical effects. I think this is one of those rare occasions where I do think CGI would have created a less monstrous, a less, they created a little bit of Frankenstein's monster in this, where he's just, I'm sure he's nice, but he is just absolutely horrifying to look at. <laughs> yeah, and... If you're thinking, oh, it can't be that bad, like, it's probably, like, one of the gremlins from the movie Gremlins. Um, the thing about the gremlins and the gremlins movie is that they were, you know, pretty cute. In the, in the sequel to Gremlins, they were those evil ones. I forgot if they were in the first one, too, but there were those evil ones who were, like, nasty. Uh, those were still not as bad as the Yeti in this movie, who, you know, if you're thinking, oh, how how bad could a, a Yeti be? Is it like a man in a costume? No, it's literally this tiny evil <laughs> creature that is so, it, it's not, there's like no way to describe how terrifying and menacing. It's like those, um, 
I keep forgetting the name of the, the those toys that are like hot. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It's like as if um a Furby doll like evo- like Pokemon evolved. This is the second evolution of Furby, and n- nobody asked for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Furby is exactly what I had in mind. But like, if you thought Furbies were evil already, mm, take a step back because the Yeti in this movie. It's fucking terrifying. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, when I was a kid, I used to think, like, E.T. was a little scary. Or, like, even Jar Jar a little scary. Um, This fucking Yeti in this movie that is, I think, made for children, probably, is the most terrifying piece of puppetry in cinema that I've ever seen in my whole life. And they try to make this thing, like, appealing and cute throughout the movie, like Baby Yoda or something, and keeps having these little, like, eh? Like, little baby sounds, and you're like, I, you cannot trick me with this, whatever studio made this movie. There will be no trickery today here, sir. You will not make me think that this ab- absolute abomination is some cute little oh, absolutely not. This thing will haunt my dreams for the rest of my life. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and also I just gotta mention whenever there are scenes of someone carrying this tiny ass creepy nasty yeti. First of all, he has giant feet. Okay, and his giant fucking dirty ass feet keep flopping all over the place while people are carrying him around, and it's so disgusting. Oh, girl, we will get to the feet. We've got to get the feet are like their own character. Here's the thing about the Yeti in this movie. It's like a whole thing that people are like. That can't be a Yeti. It's so small. And they look at its nasty feet and they're like, oh, I get because its feet are fucking huge. That's why people think Yetis are so big because they leave massive footprints. Uh, Whatever. But oh, my God, you could just say that they could just be like, "Okay, big feet, small boy. We get it. You know what they do instead? You know what they do instead every five minutes in this movie? They show a close-up of this nasty boy's, <laughs> this nasty boy's crusty, calloused, wrinkly, gross, dirty feet. And <coughs> I did not. This is why, this is why we chose to do a podcast. Instead of, we could have done... We could have done like a YouTube commentary channel where we showed you clips of the movie. We are, I dare say, heroically saving you from having to witness such a curse, can I say? <laughs> because I don't, I don't think you, this isn't something you can unsee is this gross, crusty, nasty, dirty feet <laughs> take up the whole ass screen. <laughs> has been placed upon us and we have saved you from that fate. And <laughs> you want to thank us, listeners. <laughs> the grossest. If you're thinking that we're exaggerating, even a little bit, we'll think again and maybe even watch this movie because it's the grossest, most disgusting thing I've ever seen in a movie. It's If 
you if you've seen you know a Quentin Tarantino movie and you're thinking wow that's that's too much feet for me. Well, this movie has like a hundred times that amount of feet. And not only are they just like regular people, they're fucking yeti, tiny ass giant foot yeti feet, which are dirty, stinky, nasty. And we got to see it like this movie is only, you know, an hour and a half. About 50 minutes of this movie is just his fucking feet in frame it's just his feet dangling as someone's carrying him and just his feet like leaving giant ass nasty footprints everywhere he goes also i mean we're going to talk about all of this later but they just let him come into their house with his dirty feet and they put him on the kitchen counter with his stinky nasty vile feet just where they cook their food and eat their dinner like, you're gonna drag this nasty monster into your house and you're gonna let his giant dangling feet just sit atop your nice marble kitchen counter and not say a damn thing about it? No, these people are out of their goddamn minds if they're letting this thing, this abomination, anywhere near where they would be eating, sleeping, living, just sort of generally touching anything. I I was thinking the same thing about the Quentin Tarantino thing. I, uh, you know the dude that did all those, like, Nickelodeon, like, iCarly and, uh, Victorious? There's, like, a lot of, it's, like, this whole thing that the dude that made those is, like, this super big creep that, uh, is, like, super into feet, and there's, like, a ridiculous amount of episodes of those shows that have, um, just some extensive feet shots. This movie, like, takes it so far where it's not only, like, close-ups of the feet and the feet dangling and, but, like, every time they show the Yeti, right, and they show the Yeti's face, they, like, the, the cinematographer in this movie took it upon himself to Make sure that this gross, crusty, nasty, stanky feet are in every scene that this yet yeah, they're like, oh, we gotta get a close up on his eyes to show the emotion. Shove the feet in there. We yeah, we can see the emotion, but like make sure we get like a toe in there too. I have I'm gonna throw the Yeti's gonna throw some feet in our face. I'm gonna throw hands with this cinematographer. <laughs> It's like, and, and the Yeti is so small that literally they can't show a, a shot of him without showing his feet also in there. And it's so disgusting and I just want to, uh, it, it, you know, but we watched it for you guys. We watch these movies so you don't have to, so you don't have to see his just rank ass feet. By the way, they took him straight from the wild and I bet he's never washed his fucking feet ever and i bet they don't wash his feet ever during the course of this movie because there are people like actively uh hunting them and they don't have time to wash his feet so he's just going around their nice house their nice suburban house with his rank ass nasty stinky feet dragging behind him dude i okay no hate to any of y'all feet enthusiasts out there not my thing (laughs) but you know how regular feet are just so nasty on their own just so gross. <laughs> Just regular, le- regular lady feet. Regular anyone's feet. Um, this takes it so far. Like they, the puppet master, the puppet, cre- puppet, the puppet creator in this movie took it upon himself to just create the like 
gross. He was like, what's the nastiest, grossest feet I can find on Google Images? And let me combine them all together. It's like, I mean, I was going to say picture it, but really, you don't. You don't want to. It's like calloused and there's like dirt stains. And you can, you know, like when you look at your uh, palm or the bottom of your feet and you've got like those little uh, like lines that make up the footprint. Those are like super pronounced like a geckos. It's we got to move on from this soon. I am. This is the grossest thing I have ever seen in my life. I just got to. I just gotta say one more thing about the feet, and then we can, like, not talk about them for a while. But he has four toes for no reason on each foot. (laughs) His foot is so massive, right? They easily could have fit another toe in there and made it, like, five toes, kind of, so it doesn't freak out us humans who are, most of us, born with five toes on each foot. Um... But they just made it freaky, and his toes are, like, weirdly super spaced out for no reason. For no reason at all. Like, you could have put a fifth toe in there. It just pissed me off for no reason at all. That is so nice. Okay, I like, they do this a lot in cartoons, right? Because a lot of time, drawn animated cartoons will put in, like, four fingers on each, like, three fingers and a, and a thumb. Four fingers on each hand, because if you put in five fingers, it'll look too clumped together. Um, which make for like children's cartoons and it makes sense when you're doing like drawn animation but this is a puppet (laughs) i gotta say though that i did not notice like even in the slightest that he didn't have enough toes because i (laughs) could not look at those rank nasty dirty calloused feet every time they came on screen i was like oh my phone is suddenly so interesting right now (laughs) I just had to, because there, it showed the feet, right? They showed the feet so much, you can't help but catch sight of the weird amount of spacing between the toes and then figure out that they could have easily fit another toe in there. Anyways, that's a lot of foot talk, a lot of toe talk. If you need a drink after all that, like I do, we, lucky for you, have a specialty drink that we uh come up with every episode we don't come up with them ourselves. We just do a quick Google search. And we also have a drinking game to go along with that. If for some reason you want to watch this movie, then you can drink along to these points. Um, but if you don't, then we'll try to tell you when these things happen. But first, let me tell you about this drink. It's called the Frozen Yeti. Oh, very fitting. I'm so... I mean, not like... Not like I think there would be, but I'm so glad after all that nasty foot talk we just had. Um, I'm so glad that drink didn't have anything to do with feet. <laughs> I was so sick of feet. I couldn't even look at my own feet after watching this movie. Uh, so um, nothing to do with feet, only Yetis in general. So the frozen Yeti. Um, I'm getting this recipe from CocktailBuilder.com. You can look it up there. But what you need is uh, one ounce of blue curacao liqueur, three cups of ice, one ounce of raspberry vodka, one ounce of orange rum, 
one ounce of triple sec, and half a cup of grapefruit juice. So uh, pretty simple. All you need to do is mix the ingredients in a blender, and there you go. It's your frozen Yeti. And to go along with that, we have a couple points for a drinking game. Um, that I think we're going to go back and forth with. And I, I, for the first point, I mean, we've already talked about it so much. I literally don't want to hear the word feed again ever in my life. But considering how many times it happens in the movie, you got, you gotta, just to be able to like mentally, physically, emotionally handle it. Like you gotta take a shot every time they show those nasty feet on screen oh yeah that's that was my first point too uh my second point is every time someone gets punched or slapped very good (laughs) i have every time the yeti eats something which is not limited to food anytime he eats anything okay my last one is every time the main character played by a meatloaf just throws a child across the room (laughs) Okay. I have a couple other ones. Um, Every time someone asks how they can be sure that Hank is, in fact, a Yeti, (laughs) which I love some of the answers that the characters give to the. They're like, how can we be sure it's a Yeti? And then Meatloaf is like, because Yetis, Yetis exist. And you're like, okay. (laughs) I mean, I guess. (laughs) Um, I have every time the Yeti overheats, every time... Meatloaf's character, Grizzly, insults or roasts his little companion buddy named Blubber. And every time someone's driving in a car and they say to pull over, but they just stop in the middle of the road. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even notice that last one. (laughs) So hopefully these drinks can make this movie a little bit more enjoyable to you. In the meantime, we're going to be going over this movie scene by scene, breaking it down for you, because honestly, it's probably going to be better than watching this movie yourself. Oh, yeah. And we, just to give you, you know, a taste of what's to come, we start off with this scene that I was incredibly confused by at the beginning. And also, before we get into it too much, um, there's a song, and I'm using that term very loosely here, there's a song at the beginning of the movie, and I just gotta talk about the lyrics. And I say song is used here loosely because it's not really sung, it's more like spoken poetry kind of vibe. So let me, let me just read you the lyrics of this uh, song. When the moon hangs high on the breast of the lake, the bite of the wind is like a slap in the face. (laughs) (laughs) A legend of horror lurks in the haze. It's Bigfoot, a giant of a creature, all covered in hair, as tall as a timber, as strong as a bear. Y'all better not go walking out there. (laughs) Wow. Wow. What a just... (laughs) First of all, he's not even as tall as the timber. He's like a little squat little fella. <laughs> the music in this movie. I mean, we've already roasted this. The cinematographers and the directors and puppeteers. puppeteers. Um, but damn, the music in this movie is something else. I think there's like... <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure it's all just like the same poetry dude from the beginning singing stuff. But... I think there's a point in this movie where the little girl who befriends the Yeti, her name is Amy, (laughs) 
Love that, Ames, I'm sure. <laughs> wow, I'm so happy about that. Um, she's like trying to decide what to do with the Yeti because like people are after it. And the music in the background is just like, Amy, what you want to do? <laughs> it's very uh, literal music. <laughs> yeah, but but sadly, unless Meatloaf himself is the poetry man voice, there is not a single Meatloaf song in this whole movie, which, I mean, if you're going to get Meatloaf as your lead actor, might as well milk him for some of his music, you know? Yeah, dude, we keep covering movies that star, like, pretty big singers, and their songs aren't even in the movie. Wouldn't you, like, save a ton of money by just hiring the same dude you already have in your movie? Yeah, like, do you want to be in my movie? Also, do you want to have your music in my movie? Because then they get, like, double the money, and you also, it makes it easier for you as the director or whoever, the producer... But alas, there is not a single meatloaf song. Also, I just want to say that I, I watched this with the closed captioning on. And every time there was like a piece of uh, orchestra, instrumental music, it, it transcribed it in the closed captioning as Yeti hunting music. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Um, I didn't realize this was, you know how your Spotify wrapped? Um <laughs> Just like an insane number of genres. There, it's not just rock. It's not just pop. It's like punk pop with a with an indie twist. Um, this is the new 2021 is going to bring us so many new things. Hopefully, hopefully good things. Um, Yeti hunting music. Oh, you know she's going to be the new trend. Oh, yeah. When is Meatloaf going to release his Yeti hunting music album? That's what I want to see. That's what I want on Broadway. That's the show I want to see on Broadway. <laughs> uh, we love a Broadway. So while that music or that spoken, beautiful spoken poetry is going on, there's um a close-up on Blubber, who is Meatloaf's sidekick in this movie, and it's showing what he's thinking, what he's dreaming, if you will. And he's dreaming about, you know, yetis. He's dreaming about donuts. And he's just in front of a background that looks like when you go in for your school uh, picture, for your <laughs> your picture day picture. That's the kind of background that we're we're dealing with. Already we know that this is not, you know... A high budget. This is not a Tom Cruise budget. This is a shoestring budget. And Meatloaf comes in. They're both just talking in front of this horrible background that I, that I could not take my eyes off of. And then basically all they say is, hey, let's go catch a Yeti. We're going to make some money. And then they're like, okay. And they go to, they go to Nepal and they find the tiny creepy yeti, the tiny creepy yeti with the ugly ass feet. Okay, they find him there, and uh, it's just so gross. And they, I don't know why. As soon as they look at him, they're like, "Yeah, we gotta bring it back with us." They do want to sell it, but like, if I saw that was the yeti, I'd just be like, "Take me home, boys. That's that's enough for me." So, oh yeah, and and take a drink here because this is one of the when they first see the yeti, like just sort of eating pine cones, doing this little Yeti thing in the the forest, the winter forest. Um, This is one of those moments where they're like, oh my God, there's the Yeti. And then Blubber's like, how do you, are you, like, are you sure it's a Yeti? But like, what do you, 
what do you mean, are you sure it's a Yeti? It's like this gross little squat monster with this, I, I mean, we've talked about the feet. We haven't even taught, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. On A, it's spindly little nasty gross <laughs> rat tail. That, <laughs> okay, you know when you're playing with like plasticine? And you're starting to roll it between your hands to make it, like, super long. But you roll it too much. And it gets, like, really thin. um, re- <laughs> Just really thin and long at the very end. That's what this nasty tail looks like. And it's got just... <sighs> I mean, do we want to talk about the teeth? Do we want to talk about the individual 800 little nasty visible teeth? In this wide ass mouth. I don't know if any of y'all remember <laughs> Spy Kids, right? You know, you know, in Spy Kids, when uh, they go into the little uh, the Flugels factory, whatever it was called, and they see those monsters that Floop has been creating, um, and they got these like super stretched out faces. Um, that's what this rank little yeti looks like he's got this mouth that's just like it just stretches out on both sides and i hate everything that he chooses to be yeah and about the mouth since we're on the topic um in terms of the puppetry the way that it's designed the mouth doesn't close all the way like the lips don't close there's never a point in the movie where you see his mouth and you don't see his teeth Okay, so when he's chewing, which, as Ashley mentioned, he eats in, like, almost every scene that he's in, and he eats a lot, so you just see the chewed-up food behind his teeth and his mouth, you just see it chewed-up food, it's so fucking gross, and then there's a scene where he's sleeping, and he's, like, snoring or something, and he you just, the fucking mouth is open all the way, and he's just, you see the inside of his mouth, you see, like, down his throat into his guts, it's so gross. So gross. I cannot handle how disgusting this little rat is. (laughs) So they find this stupid little thing in the Himalayas. And basically, Blubber and Grizzly, their whole deal is they are like hunters? I get bounty hunters? I have no clue. And I mean, they're supposed to be. It seems like they were supposed to have been written as a kind of Abbott and Costello type. One's like super tall, one's super short. They provide a little bit of, well, what I'm sure was supposed to be written as comic relief. (laughs) But they have been hired by this super rich family in New York to capture a Yeti for their rich little spoiled son. Um... And they track him down to the Himalayas. But before they can actually capture him, the little nasty Yeti uh, crawls into the pack of one of these hikers that they find just sort of hiking in the Himalayas. And they don't figure that out until the hikers have already left the Himalayas. They're already gone back to New York with the nasty little Yeti in tow. Yeah, so Blubber and Jake Grizzly... Uh, which is like the sickest name ever, by the way. Jake, Gr- Big Jake Grizzly. Uh, so they go back and they gotta hunt these 
two campers down, two hikers down. So what they do is because the hikers live in like kind of a small town, I guess. It's not, you know, in the big city. It's not in New York City. It's like kind of, I guess, around there, but in like a smaller area. So they go to like the newspaper offices or the library or something, and they're like, oh, these two guys went on a hike in Nepal. There's bound to be a newspaper story about it. So they look in the newspaper, and for some reason, there's a newspaper article about these two random guys who just live in the town and happen to go on a hike in a foreign country, and they're like, oh, better make a news article about this. So they're in the newspaper, and then that's how uh Jake and Blubber learn their names, and that's how they kind of start, you know, tracking down the, the clues to how to get to them, which doesn't make sense to me at all, but this whole movie doesn't. Uh, at the same time, one of the hikers, the one with the nasty-ass Yeti in his backpack, he comes home, he's a dad, He, his wife and daughter are waiting for him uh, at the door, and they're like, oh, go take a shower, and we'll cut you a piece of pumpkin pie. And he's like, sounds good. And then just another thing that doesn't make sense to me at all is he's in the bathroom, and you can hear him, like, singing in the shower, whatever. His daughter, who's, like, 10 or whatever, um, she takes a piece of pumpkin pie upstairs and leaves it in front of the bathroom door. Like, he's going to just eat it in the bathroom like dripping wet like after his shower yeah i thought that was so i mean if you're like yeah okay just like cut me some pumpkin pie i'm gonna go take a shower you think that would mean i'm gonna go take a shower when i'm out and dry and done and dressed i'll come downstairs and have that nice delicious pie um and First, not only does she bring her dad the pumpkin pie while he's still in the shower, but she leaves it right outside the door. Now, if you're like mm, a goldfish <laughs> like me and you don't remember anything ever, um, you would probably like open the door to the bathroom and just just like step on that. <laughs> piece of pumpkin pie it's literally right outside the door when you get out yeah oh but don't worry about the squish because in the in the next couple seconds we see the yeti sneak out of the backpack after the girl left the room and he goes and he eats the pumpkin pie and he just grabs the piece of pumpkin pie with his hands and you know how pumpkin pie the consistency is usually like kind of squishy in the middle you know like the inside of a pumpkin um, instead of squishing at all, he just picks it up like it's a fucking rock or something. Just this rock-hard pumpkin pie, um, just waiting for him outside his door after his shower. And the Yeti gobbles it down and then goes and hides in the corner. And then the dad comes out and he looks down and he's like, where's my fucking pumpkin pie? I'm ready to eat. Got my towel around me. My hair is dripping wet. I'm ready to fucking eat. But the pumpkin pie is gone. It's just an empty plate on the floor now. So he dries off. He goes and he gets dressed. Then he goes downstairs and he's like, haha, very funny. That was a very funny joke. And then everyone's like, his family's like, what do you mean? He's like, this stupid little girl, my stupid little daughter here. She she goofed me. She done goofed me because she said she was going to bring me a pumpkin pie for my after shower snack. 
And lo and behold, it's an empty plate. So, haha, very funny. Where's my real pumpkin pie? And the girl's like, what the fuck do you mean? I just brought you the pumpkin pie. It, it was outside your door. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Already goofed me. So they cut him another piece of pumpkin pie. He's like, this is so delicious. They really, they really focus in on the pumpkin pie for a long time in this movie. So we got to know that it's delicious. It's a great pumpkin pie, despite the fact that it looked like a rock when the Yeti picked it up. Anyway, so he eats a pumpkin pie. As he's eating it, he's like, he says to the daughter, he's like, oh, I brought you a present from Nepal. Go up into my backpack and just uh, look for it. And he doesn't tell her, like, what the present is. So she's just, like, going to, she went up, She goes upstairs. She, like, rummages through his pack. She finds the nasty-ass Yeti with the chewed-up pumpkin pie in his mouth. And she's like, oh, my dad, my dad is so sweet. He brought me this fucking animal. He brought me this wild fucking animal for my present. That is so sweet. I want to keep it forever. <laughs> So, of course, the Yeti gets, like, super scared and, like, runs off into the corner. Little girl screams. Her family comes running. They all discover this little... She's like, uh, uh, thanks for the, the present, Dad, but, like, what the fuck is it? And the dad's like, that's not your present. I got you this, like, f- handkerchief or whatever he actually got. <laughs> Some dumbass. Um, <laughs> so now they're all, like, sitting around this Yeti like it's a campfire trying to figure out what they're going to do with it. Little girl wants to keep them. The parents are like, absolutely not. What are we going to do with this thing? And uh, the little girl, she decides, because they're, they're like, oh, my God, it's a Yeti, whatever. If we're going to keep them, got to give them a name, right? Can't just call them Yeti or whatever. So the little girl, first of all, she names them Hank. Like, she names him Hank. Like... Like, you know the human name that sounds like a bodybuilder man, Hank? She names him Hank, <laughs> if that's not clear. Um, <laughs> second of all, the name that she chooses, which is Hank, by the way, um, is named after her dead dog. Like, she had a dog when she was younger that died, and it's dead now. And she's like, hey, remember that dog that is dead now? And also his name is Hank? Let's name this furry little bitch after Hank, my dead dog. What is <laughs> what is the thought process here? There are so many things that I have to say about this scene. First of all, when the parents come in and they see this nasty, vile creature in the room with their daughter, they're just like standing in the doorway like, huh, isn't that interesting? I've never seen anything like that in any animal encyclopedia I've ever read. Isn't that so interesting? If if that was me, if that was me in the room with that thing, I would fucking screech. You would hear me on the other end of the world screeching, because that's how loud I would screech. And also, I would probably try to kill it, like, immediately, because it has the creepiest smile. And there, first of all, right, do we know that it doesn't have rabies? No, we don't know that. Uh, this is a mysterious animal that we've never seen before in the history of the world. Do we know that it's not dangerous? No, no we don't know that either. And they're still like, oh, oh, oh gosh golly. Oh, gosh golly. Uh, what are we going to do with this thing? They're not, like, freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, what are you? Take your daughter and leave 
the house and burn it down. Burn down the house. Go get, like, a million shots, because you know how this dangerous, wild animal that you've never seen in your life? And they're like, yeah, just like, oh my god, he's so cold. He must be so cold, because he lives in the fucking Alps or whatever. Um, Let's, like, put him in the fridge and give him a little blank. Hey, daughter, do you have a little blankie for this little boy? Burn him! Burn him with the steak! <laughs> and then, and then they have another one of those conversations that uh, is part of our drinking game where they're just like, how do we know that it's a Yeti? How do we know? Um, Because, you know, Yetis usually are thought of as tall because they have big footprints. Meanwhile, he's sitting on their fucking counter with his giant floppy ass feet out. Like, look at his giant fucking feet. And, and then doesn't make sense the whole thing doesn't make sense and then he starts getting one of those like hot flashes or or whatever because he's in this house and not in the fucking snow-capped mountains so he's like starting to almost faint and then the girl is like oh my god we gotta get him ice cream we gotta feed him ice cream so she goes and she gets some ice cream and she feeds spoon feeds him some ice cream and she's like eat it it's good for you like bitch how do you know he's not fucking lactose intolerant do you think he ate uh, any milk products up in the mountains like where the fuck is he gonna get that also is he house trained is he potty trained He's just going to poop in your sink? Like, what's going on here? What's the situation here? Yeah, but this is the nastiest, rankest, smelliest, dirtiest little rat creature. And they're like, yeah, oh my god, he must be like, he must need the cold. Let's let him sleep in our fridge. Sleep in your... This thing is going to piss in your fridge. Like, for sure, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be able to step in your kitchen for the rest of your existence. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that family in this movie? That you're never going to be able to eat again because this little nasty creature with a smile of the Joker decided it wants to shit in your fridge. If I were the parents and I had a kid and the kid was like, can we please keep this little Yeti and put him in our fridge? First of all, I would kick out the Yeti and then the girl... And then the girl, because I can't handle that, okay? I do not have the patience. I do not have the patience to clean out my entire fucking fridge and get all of his shit scraps out of my leftover lasagna. No, thank you, ma'am. No, thank you. So goodbye, girl, and goodbye, Yeti. That's it. I'm not a parent no longer. (laughs) Goodbye. Not our problem. No, Mawa. So the the hunters, because the Yeti has now made it to this uh, family's little suburban home, the hunters end up tracking them down. And while the parents are away at uh, work or whatever, um, the hunters break into this little girl's house while she's still inside. Um, and they snatch the Yeti right out of her little girl hands and like lock her in the basement somehow um, and then drive away with the Yeti. First of all, there's, I mean, it's so insignificant, but like they spend, I'm, I'm going to say like a 30 second long shot. Like it's a hefty shot of this little girl, uh, banging on the window of her basement being like, let me out. Give me, give me Hank my Yeti back. Um, but there's, it takes up like a third of the window. There's like this massive sticker on the window. That's like, we got security. We got 
alarms in this house. Be worried, burglar. And yet these two dudes just like break down the door and can enter no problem. Just a strange little, uh, to spend so much time. To have just, just, just such a such a massive sticker on this window being like, this house has security. And then for it to not have security. Anyway, um, has literally zero significance on the plot. Just thought it was strange. Yeah, uh, Meatloaf had to bust in there using the force of his massive guns alone. And his massive when- guns and his, uh, his opera voice. Yeah, oh yeah, his, his absolute banging rock star tunes and those massive guns of his. <laughs> it's like Black Canary just singing her song, busts down the door. So when the dad comes home, he's like, oh my god, are you okay? Like, what happened? People like literally broke the fuck in and locked you in the basement. And the little girl's like, yeah, I'm okay. But they stole Hank the Yeti. This, if... As a parent, if a Yeti showing up in your house isn't the final straw, this better be the final straw. Because the Yeti literally attracted, not burglars, but like bad guys to break into your fucking house while your kid is alone at home. Like, that's it. We just gotta let things be. We gotta let Mother Nature take its course and just leave the Yeti be. I don't know why, after all that, they still want to be like, hey, we gotta get that Yeti back. But the girl's like, hey, we gotta get that Yeti back. So she sneaks out of the house because her parents are like, um, no, thank you. We don't want that thing in our house again. So she has to sneak out of the house and just go to New York City alone. She just goes to New York City alone to hunt down Big Jake Grizzly, who is like a fucking bounty hunter. And she's a 10-year-old girl. Like, what do you think you're going to, with your massive guns, with your 10-year-old massive guns, you're going you're gonna to get the, the Yeti back? I don't think so. So she goes to New York alone uh, with some kind of money that she probably stole from her parents' wallet or something. And she just goes and gets a Greyhound bus ticket and just, see ya, goodbye. See ya, goodbye, out of here. <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. She makes it to New York um somehow and ends up again somehow tracking down these hunters who the hunters have at this point delivered the Yeti to the rich family that hired them to get it in the first place, to give it to their their just nasty son that they have. There's so much nasty going on in this movie. We've got the gross little Yeti and the gross little rich son in this movie. (laughs) So Amy finds the house that uh, the Yeti is being kept in. She like hears its fucking tormented screams coming from the top floor as this just demented child. First of all, he's like, hired bounty hunters, this rich little boy, hired bounty hunters to be like, "Mm, bring me a Yeti. I want a Yeti. And then somehow, A, Yetis are real, B, these bounty hunters actually track down and bring him back a Yeti. And for what? This boy wanted a Yeti so that he could... And let me clear this up with you, the real Amy. Um, Shoot nerf darts at it that was his whole plan. that was his whole 
He's like, I want a Yeti. And they go through it's this whole problem, this whole like third of the movie so far to get this Yeti. And this little boy's plan of what he wanted to do with this Yeti was to just shoot Nerf darts at its face. You got, like, if you're that psychotic, you got, like, stuffed animals and shit to do that too. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Also, the little girl in this movie is already annoying because she keeps wanting for some reason to keep this Yeti in her house. But the little boy, the little boy is not only annoying, he's like psychotic annoying. He's like, he's like the, the kind of little kid that goes out and kills your neighbor's cat. He's not, not a good dude. Also, I don't know what's going on with the costuming department. Let's just talk about the costuming in this movie. Because the little boy's outfits in this movie, I don't know where he gets them. But they are, if, if, if his actions didn't reveal to you that he's, um, just a sick evil boy, his, his outfits surely would have. Because in this scene, I think is the scene where he's literally dressed like a mob boss. Or something. He's a little boy wearing a three-piece suit and like a Frank Sinatra hat. Okay. <laughs> and then in another scene, he literally has on a jacket that looks, I'm not, I swear to you, I'm not exaggerating. It's like a Nazi jacket. This little yeah. Nazi boy with his stupid little Nerf darts and in his house, there's also the rich people house, right? You know when you watch Scooby-Doo and they go into like a rich person's house and there's like all these suits of armor everywhere and you're like, who would have that? This family does. This family has like this fucking Scooby-Doo hall full of suits of armor for like no reason. To be fair, though, if you were like ultra mega rich, would you not buy a castle with suits of armor in it <laughs> just to have? You got me there. You got me there. You got me there. But, okay, in terms of the movie, right, I would rather spend my budget on, like, a creature that looks nice instead of a suit of armor for the set. Oh, for sure. Oh, it would have saved us. It would have saved me. Um, Just, like, so many night, Just, like, nightmare after nightmare last night after watching this movie. This little rank... Furry little uh, is going to haunt my dreams for the rest of my existence. And there's nothing I can do about it. I can't. This is not like a little. This is not something that you can unsee. Oh, yeah. This is we're going to be having flashbacks to this movie like 10 years down the line. It's inescapable. Also, the little boy, I just got to if we're roasting already, I just got to say he cannot deliver a line without absolutely yelling it. And I'm like, what's the what's the need for this? Little boy, what's the need for this? I understand you're you're rich and you're nasty and arrogant, but in terms of me having to adjust my TV volume every five seconds in every scene he's in, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. That's so true. Um so the little girl somehow ends up tracking down this nasty boy to his house where he's got the Yeti, like, imprisoned in his room. Um, and also the parents, who've at this point uh, realized that their daughter is missing, also end up tracking her down. Um, and by doing that, 
the Yeti down. So they're all now, they know where the Yeti is. They've been reunited with their daughter. They're like, we gotta go home. Leave this rank little stanky Yeti where he is. He's fine. And this little girl is like, no, we gotta get Hank back. He's part of our family now. And the parents are like, <sighs> the parents decide, um, that they're going to form a plan to break into this family's house. Um, and their plan is to impersonate the government. And it works somehow. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I didn't understand this. <laughs> because, uh, Okay, so this is what they did. So the dad puts on this heavy New York accent. Also, he looks a little bit like Seinfeld. So maybe they just let him in because they thought he was Seinfeld. So, like, the, the housekeeper or whatever lets him in. He's like, I'm from U.S. Customs, blah, 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 blah. We need to get that Yeti. And she's like, oh, my God, you know about the Yeti. Come on in, sir. So then he goes inside. And he waits by the door for five seconds, like, real suspiciously. And then he just lets the rest of his family inside. Um, so he goes upstairs to where the rich dad is. And he's like, hey, I'm from U.S. Customs. We got a Yeti problem on our hands. And you're going to have to hand over the Yeti to me. And then the rich the rich dad is like, uh, no. And then the the main dad is like, okay, have a good day, sir. And he, he just goes. And meanwhile... The, uh, his wife and daughter are hunting down the, the Yeti in the little boy's room. And the little girl, this is the only thing in the movie that I, uh, was proud of her for. She knocked the fuck out that little boy. She punched him right in the face. Take a drink. She punched him in the face. Sadly, didn't knock him out all the way because he could still yell and hurt my eardrums. And they're just like grappling over the Yeti. Eventually, she she picks him up with his feet fucking flopping all over the place. The Yeti's fucking dirty ass feet flopping all over the place. And she runs out of the house. And on the way out, uh, she runs right into Big Jake and Blubber. And she manages somehow to go past them. And she just leaves the house, leaves her parents inside the house with this random two bounty hunters and this rich family with a bunch of, like, night suit of armor knight costumes in their house anyways so she doesn't hesitate to leave her whole ass family in there because she loves this yeti hank so much so she goes to like a random park or something to hide from the bounty hunters that have left the house also and are chasing her and she's like in this park hiding in this dead shrub with no leaves on it and she's wearing a bright pink jacket. And then Meatloaf and Blubber come out and they're like, where could this little girl be? And they're standing right beside the dead shrub where you can see through the dead branches and see her like fucking bright pink ass jacket and also this creepy ass Yeti. And they're like standing right beside. And she's like, oh, be quiet, Hank, or they'll hear us. Like, bitch, they can see you. Like, they can see you right away. They can super see you. And then they end up only finding her because she, like, pops her little head out of the shrub like a meerkat. And they're like, oh, this, oh, there's her head. Oh, oh, there she is. So they find 
her again. She's got to run away from... Also, the rich family also decides that, like, their little nasty son wants this Yeti so bad that they decide to put a hit? They decide to put a hit on this 10-year-old girl. A 10 million dollar reward hit on this child and um we get this little shot where the little girl is running away uh down the street from the (laughs) fucking bounty hunters um and there's just like this group of teenagers just like crowded around a radio i guess um and the radio is announcing that all this like super rich dude uh is hosting a $10 million reward for finding, and I do quote, a little girl with a valuable pet. And that is the full description that they give of this child. So then, of course, the little girl runs by this group of teenagers and they're like, that's her. That's the, that's the, she's a little girl. And that, that fucking, that bundle of hair and, I guess feet? That must be the valuable <laughs> pet. I... <laughs> what? Again, the thought process. Yeah, this is turned into, like, Home Alone, but with a fucking little girl and a Yeti. And everyone's trying to, like, set traps for them, just, like, trying to catch them while they're running down the sidewalk. And meanwhile, the parents are like, well, I guess we lost her again. If she knows what's what, she'll meet us at the train station, which is not, like, a plan that they came up with beforehand. They're just like, I guess she'll meet us at the train station with her psychic powers that let her know that we're going to be at the train station. So they just wait out at the train station. And then um she manages to go to the train station. And then Big Jake Grizzly and Blubber are also there. So the dad's like, oh, we can't, we can't let them know that it's us. <laughs> so he has to, he has to dress like a, like a train attendant or whatever the fuck they're called. And Jake hasn't seen the mom yet. He doesn't know what she looks like. So she's pretending to be this like rich ass lady with her own attendant, who is the dad, and the dad's, like, dragging this huge-ass trunk that they found somewhere uh, with the little girl and the Yeti inside of it. And they they get past Big J Grizzly. They get past Big J Grizzly and his rock star eyes somehow. And they manage to actually uh, board the train just in time because just kind of out of absolutely nowhere, just out of his ass, Big J Grizzly is like, they're on the train. They're, I, I, they've already boarded. I didn't, so he like, runs up to the train and sees that they are in fact on the train that he knew because of his uh psychic rock star powers i guess um but he's too late train's already moving can't get on it uh so the family and the yeti escape on the train and they know that they can't go home because the hunters know where they live now um, so they decide that they're going to go to their, like, wintertime cottage on a lake or whatever, which the hunters also track them down to because they saw, like, a family photo of them there or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, the cap, the cabin on the lake. Uh, we know exactly where to go of this picture of a cabin on a lake. 
So they make it there again by rock star magic, I guess, by the power of mushy meat, uh, mushy meat in a loaf. They make it to this <laughs> random cabin on a lake. And and by the way, there was a scene before that where Jake has to go back to the rich family's house and report that he lost the Yeti again. And then the little annoying fucking boy is like, I want to come with you. And the parents are like, please, please, please take him off of our hands and just take him with you. Like, we need some rest. So please. And he's like, you better pay me like double or whatever. They're like, we'll pay you whatever. Just get this fucking kid out of our house. And Big Jake Grizzly is like, okay. So he's in the car with them, and there's this scene when they arrive at the cabin, Blubber, Jake, and the annoying fucking boy, where the boy gets out of the car, and he goes to the trunk of the car, and there's, like, fucking guns stashed in there. And he takes a gun, uh, a legit gun, not one of his little Nerf guns. He takes a gun out of the trunk, and he's like, the little girl's mine. Like, what are you going to do, kill her? Like, are you going to murder her? He's planning to fucking execute this little 10-year-old child girl. He's planning to, like, like Mortal Kombat execute her? Like, I guess? He's going to finish her? I, this, if you thought this child was psychotic before... He's absolutely psychopathic at this point. Yeah, oh my god. So Jake is like, we can't go into the house right now because it's broad daylight. We gotta wait till they're sleeping and then capture the Yeti then. So they wait until nighttime. Jake sneaks into the house somehow. I guess I don't have their fucking security system on in this house either. So he just breaks into the house. He wakes up the parents. He's like, Where's the, where's the girl? And the girl is like up in the rafters or something. So she can see that the parents are being like interrogated by Big Jake. So she's like, Hank, wake up. We have to escape. So she takes Hank out the window and I guess just like jumps off the fucking roof of this cabin. And meanwhile, Jake ties up the parents and he's like, if you don't tell me, I'm not going to untie you. They're like, <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, they're tied up. And then the little girl, like, again, Home Alone style, she goes out into the woods behind the cabin and she sets a trap for the little boy. And he falls in this giant hole. And I kind of wish they just would have left him there because he was annoying as fuck, dude. And then she she knocks him on the head with a shovel and he passes out. And then five seconds later, he's just like back to screeching again. I'm like, bitch, please, please just knock him out good next time. Please just let him show up for like five seconds in this movie. That would be so great. So this little girl, this little 10-year-old girl, sets, like, Home Alone traps for every character in this movie. She sets a trap for this little boy. She sets a different trap in the lake or something for uh, Blubber, the sidekick. Um, And then, because Grizzly now has her parents held hostage, tied up to chairs uh, in this cottage, and um, so she somehow, like, climbs back onto the roof and... It's like a smoke bomb <laughs> or something through the chimney and like smokes out Gri- Grizzly. But here's the thing, right? 
she doesn't smoke out Grizzly because Grizzly is not like tied to a chair. So she just walks outside when he sees that there's smoke. He's like, hey, little girl, didn't smoke me out because I just walked outside. But your parents are in there and you're like actively killing them with this <laughs> fucking smoke bomb that you dropped in this house because I tied them to chairs and I told you that. And you knew that and you still dropped a smoke bomb in there. So you're just like killing them and it, it, it doesn't affect me because I'm outside now. And and then, so then she goes up to the chimney with Hank, and she, like, fucking, I don't know what, she, like, drops him down the chimney Santa Claus style, and then Hank is just, like, perfectly fine when he gets down there, and he unties the parents, and then the dad opens the door and knocks out Big Jake. Uh, so then they're, they're freed now. And, and they all escape, the main family escapes, and they go to the, like a gas station. And at the gas station, the dad asks to use the phone. This is in 1995. So the dad has to ask to use the gas station phone. And he, he calls up his friend, who's also like a cop, who's also the guy he went hiking with at the beginning of the movie. And he's like, hey, can you go to my house and get like my whole family's passports? Cause we gotta like, book it out of here and then the friend is like okay I'll, I'll get him to you so then they leave and then in the next second jake pulls up to this uh gas station and he asks the gas station dude behind the counter who overheard the whole conversation he's like where's that family off to and then the guy's like i don't know they're just like getting their passports uh and then jake's like i know exactly where they're going to the airport, which that one is like a, a logical um, assumption to make uh, instead of just using his psychic rock star powers again. So they they go to the airport, Jake and Blubber and also the family. And like just another scene that just doesn't make sense to me because they're in line to go through the like security scanner metal detector thing and they're in line already and they're holding the little girl is holding the yeti and they still like don't have a plan for what they're gonna say to the to the security people when they approach because the mom's like why don't we just pretend that he's like a stuffed animal like a giant ugly disgusting <laughs> stuffed animal and then like out of nowhere this random kid comes up and he like <laughs> he like pinches one of the Yeti's toes or something, and the Yeti fucking screeches. <laughs> Why is every child in this movie just the nastiest little bitch? <laughs> so then they're like, well, I guess we can't say he's a toy, because he's screeching in the middle of the airport. <laughs> so they so they get up to the, they're next in line, and then the, the security dude is like, oh, put him in the basket. And then the Yeti goes through, like, the scanner in the basket where you're supposed to put, like, your phone and keys or whatever, um, and they, like, fully see that he has bones inside of him. <laughs> but, okay, okay, here's the thing. It's, like, I guess the, the TSA agents, like, didn't see that he had bones and the liver and shit inside him because at this exact moment is when Grizzly and Blubber arrive at the airport. And Blubber decides that that gun... Hey, remember that gun that that little child, nasty, psychopath boy had in a couple scenes ago? Well, he takes out this fucking shotgun 
and just like decides he's just gonna shoot at this family and the Yeti um in an airport full of security agents and policemen. So of course they get like surrounded. Um, nobody really, like, does anything about it. They just kind of, uh, yell at him and are like, hey, you know you're not supposed to, like, shoot up the place. And Blubber's like, oh, my bad, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess the Yeti, like, goes through the little scanner and no one's actually looking at the scanner because, you know, someone just decided to shoot up the airport, I guess. So the family just kind of runs through security. No problem now. Uh, you think there'd be more security, um, but no, um, they're completely fine. Yeah, and uh, I think I forgot to mention, but the reason that they're going to the airport is not to like start a new life somewhere or anything like that. They're going back to Nepal to release the fucking Yeti into the wild, which, I mean, New York's a, a fairly cold city in the wintertime, which it is in this movie. Um, you couldn't just release him like outside. You couldn't just drive him upstate and release him outside into the woods or something. You really, you really had to go back to Nepal. You really had to buy three plane tickets to and from Nepal and just waste all your money just taking this stupid ass Yeti back instead of letting Mother Nature take care of him and just killing him. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, okay, the whole reason that this movie is happening, right, is because this little girl is like, no, we have to keep Hank. We can't just let him go. Who knows what could happen? And then at the end of the movie, they're like, well, guess we'll return him to the wild, I guess. But like, did we have to go through this whole movie of trying to get Hank back and breaking into like seven places at a time and uh, literally getting uh, kidnapped by this like bounty? Did we have to go through all of that if you were just gonna... Like, let him go in the end. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I, uh, it, anyways, there's also a scene that we forgot to mention before the airport scene where Big Jake, good on him, just gets so fed up with this annoying little boy that he has to take everywhere that he's like, get out of the car. And the boy is like, I don't want to anyway. So he like takes him out of the car and he chucks him into like a snowbank at the side of the road and he's like bye sucker and he leaves him here <laughs> and then at the very end the very last scene is the little rich boy's parents who are like relaxing on a beach they're fucking glowing because they don't have to look after that stupid boy anymore and the mom is like so what do you ever think became of Wesley? And then the dad just like shrugs because he's like, I don't fucking care. Like, whatever. Um, anyway, so he's probably dead now. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> anyway, we kind of murdered our child and left him uh, with some bounty hunters who threw him in a snowbank in the middle of nowhere. But uh, we're kind of thriving on our parent vacation. Um, that's fine. So, yeah, the, the family delivered uh, Hank back to the wild. It turns out he had, like, a Yeti family or whatever. And he's uh, thriving or whatever. And the family just leaves him there. And they're like, okay, bye. Guess uh, guess the movie's done now. And it is. Yeah. Um, so, in this new season of Bad Movie Sunday in 2021, our Have a Lot of Fun season, 
Uh, we're trying to be more constructive with our roasts. And I know we've been roasting this movie a lot, but we have a new segment and it's what we would improve if we somehow made this movie or were involved with this movie, what we would have said to the big trots who were like making all the decisions, what, what we would have improved um, if we had any say whatsoever in this movie. So we talked about this a lot. But I think the first point that we have to mention, and I think this is one that both of us will agree on wholeheartedly, is that there were too much fucking feet in this way, movie. Way too much feet. I'm just an I'm just like an absolute surplus of feet. Please, please, no more feet in this movie. Wholeheartedly agree. Also, now that we've got that out of the way, the Yeti itself, the rest of the Yeti that uh, was not... Just the feet, the whole Yeti was disgusting, and we talked about that. But also, the Yeti, the character of the Yeti was so useless this entire movie. Like, the only good thing he did was untie the parents in the cabin at the end, I guess. But if they were gonna make the Yeti look that fucking ugly and creepy, (laughs) the least they could have done was, like, have him do something that at the beginning was like kind of endearing or like something to take away some of that stank, some of that creepiness that he, that he just had. Yes. I had, okay. I had the same point. I don't understand why so many people in this movie wanted this stupid little Yeti because they didn't do anything. They just wanted him because he was a Yeti, which like, I guess, but also no one in this movie even knew that he was a Yeti. They're like, how do we know it's a Yeti? Then why do you, why does everyone want him? Like, he didn't even fucking do anything. He just, he literally, like, the first thing we see him do when he arrives at this family's house is he eats everything in their house. Like, literally, cupboards gone. Fridge emptied. Uh, hotel? <laughs> Trivago. But, um, like, <laughs> literally, everything is gone. These people have no food. They have to buy hundreds of dollars worth of groceries now because this stanky little rat Yeti beach ate all of their food. Like, he has done no good this whole movie. He's brought bounty hunters upon them. He has eaten through their entire stash of food. He does nothing this whole movie. Yeah, and the girl is like, oh, but I want to keep him because he's our family. Like, bitch, you've known him for like an hour. Just throw him out the window. Throw him down a well. Like, you have no connections with this stupid little rat creature. Yes, agreed. Also, the rich son caught him. Caught him out of the movie. Hated him. Oh, my God. And the last half hour of the movie, when Big Jake has to take him around was so fucking annoying because he kept yelling and then big jake was like just shut up man just shut up and i'm like you go jake you tell him jake just shut that little fucking mouth bitch we don't need to hear your fucking yelling we know you want the yet we know you want the yeti we don't have to hear it every five seconds and he's just like so unnecessary if they cut him out they could have had his dad be like one of those rich hunter types who like wants to put a yeti uh, uh, stuffed Yeti on his wall or something like that. They didn't need the boy at all. Yes. I think the dad could have been like a mob boss or something or like a, a hunter aficionado when he wanted the Yeti as a trophy. He wanted it something. Little boy did not need to be there. Um, also, okay. I have a point about our two, well, 
kind of main characters, Grizzly and Blubber, who are the two hunters in this movie. I, I'm sure Meatloaf is a lovely dude. I'm sure his Broadway career has brought him much love. But in this particular role, I found that there are two ways you can go with this role, right? You can either go kind of like super hardcore and have these two bounty hunters be like super intimidating and badass or because he's got this little sidekick have it be kind of like a a funny have it be a little laughy that you like some comic relief have it be kind of like because i found that this movie was kind of like tried to be sort of buddy cop in that way but didn't super pull it off so if you were going to go buddy cop i would have leaned into the buddy cop thing or pulled back from it entirely and made it like badass because grizzly himself was like not like like we got he's not intimidating he he might be like crazy tall dude's like eight foot or something but like every time you try to intimidate this nasty little rich boy the boy would be like yelling something like give me the yeti and then grizzly would be like you better you better uh you better be quiet there boy or uh my fist is gonna go through your head eh? and like that's not <laughs> say it like i'm gonna i'm gonna mess you up kid like he said it in like the nicest chill he's like i'm i might mess you up i'm gonna mess you up uh, eventually i guess like he's not intimidating (laughs) speaking of of those lines i just want to uh say a few of them because i've i've plucked them out of this movie um so at the beginning he says to blubber he says you make one mistake and I'll have your guts for dinner, son. <laughs> <laughs> but you said it. You said it much better just then. Um, because the way he said it was like, I'll have your guts for dinner. Like, just so <laughs> casually. <laughs> and then uh, another one, I think this one he actually says to the little boy. He's like, someone's going to do some damage to you. And you're looking at the man that just might do it. <laughs> oh, Damn. That's a lot of damage. Uh, but I will say, all of that is true. I completely agree with what you said, that they could have made it a little bit more funny or a little bit more, you know, intimidating. But I think I gotta give Meatloaf some credit and his sidekick, because out of the whole cast, those two did the best job acting. They were a little overdramatic sometimes, and they didn't, you know, deliver lines in ways that I thought they should have, but it was a kid's movie, so it made sense that they were kind of overdramatic at times. But the actual kids in the movie, both of them so annoying, and the girls' parents were so, like, underperforming. Like, their reactions to everything were like, okay. Like, there's this crazy-ass, nasty creature in your house, and they're just like, okay. And the girl's like, oh, I want to keep it. I want to keep it inside our house and put it in the fridge where we eat and like put it, put his nasty feet on the counter. And they're like, okay. And they just like are so neutral the whole time. Like y'all have some emotion. If I want to, if I want to see any of these characters yelling, it's those two being like, this is a fucking wild animal. Why are we bringing it into our house? But instead they're just like, okay. So I got to give Meatloaf and his sidekick props in that respect. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. That was definitely true. 
I don't think I have any other things that I would change, but I do have uh, some toasts because this is our have a lot of fun season. We're roasting and toasting. And there are a few things that I kind of want to give it credit for. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I mentioned a few lines already, but some, some, a, a little bit of this dialogue was actually pretty funny. Like there was this one line that I am going to quote forever now. And it's, it's Jake talking to the little boy and the little boy is like yelling at him. He's insulting him. He's just being nasty and rude. And then Jake's like, I didn't come here to be insulted. And the boy's like, where do you usually go? <laughs> okay. That's true. <laughs> Just some of that classic vaudeville humor. And then there's there's this part where um, the little girl, like, before she puts him in the fridge or whatever, whatever, the parents are talking to the little girl about the Yeti. And then she's like, oh, I want to name him Hank. And they're like, how do you know that it's a boy? And she's like, I looked. Which implies that she looked at his stupid little Yeti peen. Which is not, actually, that one's not really uh, a toast. That's, that's just, that just made me, that just made me think a little bit too much about the fact that he has a little Yeti peen. And it made me very grateful that we didn't get to see it, actually. Yes, I agree. Also, the parents are super, she's like, yeah, like, I looked, I just, I looked, that's how I do. And the parents are like, oh, okay. I did not need to have that. I already have the image in my mind of this. Just, we've gone over. We've gone over so much how nasty this boy is. I did not need that image in my head of not only this nasty little Yeti, but this nasty little Yeti bean. So thank you, movie, for making me have to... You know how they say that your imagination... Like a lot of horror, <laughs> a lot of horror movies tend to keep a lot of the uh, monsters kind of in shadow when they don't show a lot of the monsters because a lot of the time your imagination is just so much worse than what someone could actually put in front of you. And I think, <laughs> I think that sometimes I think about that quote a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for the rest of our lives, not only will we be haunted by the actual face and feet of this Yeti, but also the fact that we know he has a peen somewhere. Um, his, I don't even want to know what they did if they made his face and feet so ugly, what they would have done with that little Yeti peen. And I don't ever want to know. So um, let's just not talk about that anymore. Um, in other news... This was filmed in Toronto. We got some of those connections going on here. You know, a lot of the time when a movie is filmed in Toronto, like, um, I think they filmed the Sharknado 2 in Toronto. We were like, oh my god, that's so cool. Um, sometimes it's like, oh my god, so cool. Just like a, a little personal connection. Sometimes I, j- like, I'm just disappointed in our nation. Um, for choosing the things that we do choose to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is um, 
That is true. You can, I think you can see a little bit of the U of T campus <laughs> in the uh, shot where she's hiding behind the dead bush. So a little shout out to uh, Toronto, to our home country. Um, very good on us, I, I guess. Another thing I gotta say. This is not a toast. This is actually a little bit of a roast. But I am disappointed by the lack of Yeti puns in this movie. The word Yeti is so... Mm, what a nice sound to have in your mouth. Y'all Yeti for this? Like... Oh! It oh just my works. god! It just works. Like, oh, we're getting Yeti <gasps> to go hunt these animals. Like, it just... So many possibilities, so many possibilities, and they didn't even try, not even one attempted Yeti pun, and that I gotta roast, I gotta roast that. I think that's actually, that should have been in our improvement section, I think I would have improved um, a little bit of the dialogue, spicing it up with some Yeti puns. Oh, totally agree, I was, I myself was not Yeti for that pun. <laughs> I do have one more, one last thing to say, uh... Also kind of a roast. I was just, the whole movie, I hated most of the characters. And I was rooting for Meatloaf and his sidekick the whole time. Because I didn't care for the girl. I didn't care for the family. I didn't care for the Yeti. I didn't care for the boy. So I was just like, yeah, Meatloaf, throw those kids across the room. Yeah, Meatloaf, steal that fucking Yeti. Yeah, Meatloaf, take those parents hostage. Like, what do I... What do I care? Yeah, it no connection whatsoever to the characters except possibly Meatloaf. Um, did you have any final other final thoughts on this movie? <laughs> this has I'm I cannot stress enough how little this has to do with the plot or any improvements to this movie. It's just a little just a little something I noticed. Um, there's a couple shots in this movie. Um, we see it at the beginning when we first see the Yeti in the wild in the Himalayas. We see it at the end when he was returned to the wild. Um, so the Yeti in this movie likes to eat pine cones, right? Um, and usually when he's eaten those pine cones, he's eaten them in the snow. And so he's just like in the white snow surrounded by these brown pine cones. And, <laughs> and <laughs> every time we saw him surrounded by those pine cones, I thought they were pieces of poo. <laughs> 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 like, damn, like, I guess he eats a lot. So it makes sense that he would just be. Just be shitting like all over the place, I guess. But did they need to show it? And then you rewatch the scene and you're like, oh, they're pine cones. But like, that is not what it, um, looked like to me. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah, no, there were a lot of like aerial shots where just like overhead you saw the white snow and these little brown droppings and it just, it didn't look good. It did not look good. Ooh, we love that. So, um, 
unless you have any more, I think those are all of our final thoughts on this movie. Yeah, and now that we've kind of went over everything that we were thinking, let's go ahead and see what IMDb and Letterboxd um, have to say about this movie. I think we've got a couple of IMDb reviews and a couple of Letterboxd. What do you want to start with? Let's do the IMDb reviews. We have two of them here. The first is by user Fiery Pyro Girl, who gave it a 1 out of 10. Their tagline is, this may contain spoilers, but who cares, honestly? (laughs) Which agreed. This is the worst movie on the planet. Without question, this is the sole worst movie this planet has ever seen. If you can call it a movie. I I don't think that that thing was even supposed to be called a puppet. It looked like an E.T. Furby Yoda gremlin. (laughs) Don't get the Yeti wet. And what's more, it couldn't stop smiling until the end. I probably could have done a better job with a paper bag. The acting was horrible. The only good part of the movie was at the beginning when the assistant rang the doorbell to make a song. I think that clip would have been a better movie. Honestly, I didn't even watch the whole thing. I fast forwarded through 99% of it for the excuse of entertainment. The Yeti grinned when it was dying and chewed in a wave motion because of its flexible plastic jawbone. And the people, yeah, feed it Oreos and hot dogs. That'll be sure to nourish a random creature from the Tibetan mountains. The green screen when it jumped (laughs) was pathetic. The Yeti wouldn't have even gotten through customs on the airport. They never (laughs) check his bags. And when they're going back to the Himalayas again, the little girl just walks through with the Yeti thing. The bag lady doesn't even try to stop them. And the whole I'll be right here poke was pathetic. (laughs) And six months later, while his parents drink pineapple juice with crazy straws, portly Borat boy is still stuck by the road, flailing his legs. And all those Yeti noises? I swear, I would much rather have my face hacked off than watch that again. Well, I actually, I did get a cheap laugh out of the whole thing. (laughs) Wow, this little child just uh, roasted the ever-living fuck out of this movie. And then at the end was like, well... Actually, I mean, it did make me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So the second and last review we have on IMDb is by user Michael underscore Elliot, whose tagline is poor Yeti. To catch a Yeti, 1995, was bomb out of four. (laughs) Incredibly horrid rip of E.T. has big time hunter Meatloaf tracking a Yeti only to find it living with a family and beloved by the little girl. Even on a cute kids movie level, this film is quite horrid and comes off more creepy than sweet, which was its main goal. The movie is awful on every level. This includes the performances, which range from bad to suicide worthy. Meatloaf has been good in several films, but he's really bad here. The loaf, (laughs) the loaf goes (laughs) over the top and his performance is all over the place as if he doesn't know what to do. Chantelise Kent plays the young girl who befriends the Yeti, and she turns in one of the worst performances from a child actor. The screenplay is all over the place as well, and the jokes are way too forced to work. The director apparently realized this was going to be junk, 
because I can't see any signs of actual directing being done. Damn. Oof. Wow. I mean, they're not wrong about uh, any of those things. <laughs> so we have four letterbox reviews as well. And the first one is by Ryan Noonan, who gave it half a star out of five. And Ryan says, quite possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. The editing is a disaster, and that fucking creature will give me nightmares for the rest of my life. I hate it so much. I have never been as upset about anything as I am about that thing's tail. <laughs> I agreed. The second review is by Pretty Miss, who gave it four out of five stars. And they say, one star for every kid meatloaf beat up. <laughs> um... The third review is by Johnny Bahama 27 who gave it five stars. Meatloaf might have been the antagonist, but even he didn't think twice of doing some damage to that Nazi kid. Sequel? There better be. Who wants to get the Kickstarter going? Oh my god. <laughs> and I think that this last review here encapsulates our thoughts more eloquently than any of the other reviews, than this whole podcast, and the review is by Vehemently, who gave it uh, one and a half stars, and I will do my best reading of this review um, as I possibly can, because I want to do it justice, and I want to get the emotions out, and I want to, you know, just just um, really convey the message that they're trying to send here. <clears throat> I hate the feet, 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 and then that goes on for, um, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, okay, and now it turns into capital letters, all caps. I hate the feet, 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 and that just goes on. But you, that's just a little taste of that poem that beautiful song that beautiful melody that was brought to us by letterboxd thank you wow thank you i gotta say first of all that i don't think the word taste and the word feet should go anywhere close to each other but i do thank you for that review amy because that coincided just just so well with our own thoughts about this movie i do we do hate the feet hate the feet hate the feet a lot we do hate the feet a lot. Oh, hate the feet, hate the feet, hate the feet, hate the feet! Hate it so much. So, those were what the internet thought about this movie. Now we've, we've mentioned what we thought of this movie, but it's time to get into our number reviews. So, if you're new to the podcast, we rate all the movies that we watch on what we call the Gold Bloom Scale, named after our Lord and Savior Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Um, which ranges from a 1 to 10. 10 out of 10 being, like, pretty good for a good movie. 1 out of 10 being so bad I could barely finish it. Oh, Amy! Um, as, as the host of this podcast who literally has a character named after her in this movie, <laughs> what did you think of it? Oh, I, I love that. I love that I was in this movie spiritually. Uh, if not mentally, because I checked out, you know, around the two minute mark. Um, just for reference, before I get into my own rating, IMDb gave this a 2.1 out of 10, 
And Rotten Tomatoes did not have a critic score, rightfully, but it did have an audience score of 13%. Um, yeah, so my rating is going to be kind of in the same range. I think I'm going to give it a one. And that one is for Meatloaf and his sidekick alone, because I did not care for anybody else in this movie. The movie itself did not make any sense. I did not... Uh, gain any knowledge from the movie. I, in fact, it all it gave me was nightmares that I will have for the rest of my life. So I'm going to say one out of ten. What are you thinking? Ames, I'm so glad that you said that because I myself am also going to give it a one. This movie was awful in just the, I was going to say the best way, but I mean, you've heard us talk about the feet and there's just no way that can like ever be considered the best way so i this movie was so rank so stanky so much feats we cannot go we cannot scale over that i know we talked about it so much but it's such a prominent the feet are its own character in this movie and i don't understand <laughs> the choice there it it was this movie was like half half trying to be buddy cop and then half road trip seen road <laughs> you know like the yeti just kind of like went from the himalayas to this place's house and then a different house and then a cabin house and then back to the himalayas and they, we were just kind of the yeti just took like a little road trip everywhere and then just went back home afterwards he just had like a wild end of a day um and there was kind of no point to this movie <laughs> because he started uh he ended up exactly where he started off and also I mean, I cannot stress enough how uh, much feet there were in this movie. I think that about sums up my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it was a dirty, stinky movie, just like his feet. And if any of you listening out there have unfortunately watched this movie and you have thoughts of your own that you want to tell us, especially about the feet. <laughs> actually, we, we, actually, we don't want to hear your thoughts about oh, the God, feet. Oh, God, no. We have plenty of thoughts of our own about the feet, and that's just, that's a little too much for us. If so if you have you... any thoughts, yeah, no thanks. If you have any thoughts that aren't about the feet, um, which I don't know what else you would talk about, but if you do, uh, you can hit us up. Or if you have other fun movies that you want us to cover on this podcast, uh, season three, again, is our fun season, so we want to get as many fun movies as we can. You can contact us over Twitter or Letterboxd. We're at BMS Podcast on both. Or you can send us an email at badmoviesundaypodcast at gmail.com. And you can shoot us an email or a tweet of the feet if any of you want to um, just torture us, blackmail us, just generally make us want to die. Or Super not. fun. Or you could not do that. <laughs> or Or you could just leave us to live peacefully without ever mentioning or looking at the feet ever again. I do like that option as well. In the meantime, we have been Bad Movie Sunday. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. And we will see you next, next week. Hopefully, seen feet. <laughs> next, next feet. Ha <laughs> ha!